Hello, and welcome to the Sports Law Podcast, where we discuss the intersection of sports, media, and technology. Today, we're stepping into the metaverse, boldly stepping into the metaverse, with a conversation with Eric Laundrie, the founder and CEO of Carta. But before we do that, a reminder, as ever, if you like what you hear, give us a like and a subscription wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to head to our website, sportsloft.co, to sign up for our newsletter and follow us on social at sportsloft.hq. So the metaverse, whether it exists or not, uh, is a pretty significant part of the conversation of the future of sports uh, and technology at the moment. And we are very, very pleased to be uh, entering the world of the metaverse with our newest Sportsloft member, Carta, which makes brands playable by creating immersive experiences in gaming and in metaverse environments. Carta became a Sportsloft member in March and has an incredible roster of clients, including Amazon Music, Ronald McDonald House, K-pop Group Twice, uh, and Unilever. So in order to discuss all things Metaverse, we are very honored to welcome Eric Landre into the Sports Loft. Eric, welcome. Thank you so much. It's an absolute honor to uh, be he here and uh, as an official member of the Sports Loft uh, family, feels great. Fantastic to have you on board. And as another East London resident and mm -hmm. worker, it's uh, even, more, uh, even more pleasant. So, um, listen, I, I gave a little bit of an introduction there as to, yeah. as to, as to what Carta is, but it's, there's, no, uh, there's, there's no substitute for hearing it from the, from the horse's mouth, as yeah. it were, which is a terrible English expression. They really yeah, should think of a better one. I'm not calling you a horse. <laughs> um, please, tell us, tell us in your own words um, you know, who you are, what Carta is all about, and what you guys do day to day. Cool. So, uh, yeah, in this scenario, I am the horse and this is my mouth, <laughs> and my company, Carta... Uh, we help brands and sports rights holders and music artists and popular IP uh, engage with the hundreds of millions of people that already inhabit some of the world's most popular virtual worlds, such as Roblox, Fortnite uh, and Sepeto, and there's others as well. And sure. um, we also often, when it comes to the world of sports, help them uh, monetize these audiences as well through merchandising and brand partnerships. Yeah, it's a, it's an exciting space. You use the, the M word, which has sort of become a bit controversial. Uh, in uh, you know, for, for us, it's been it's been a, a long journey. It's been with us, and it helped. Uh, yeah, the metaverse word helped us uh, build this company, and now it sort of has a bad rep, but. We're, we're very much bullish and positive to, to uh, the vision of the metaverse. So give us a little bit of history of how this all came about. And you guys have worked on some pretty, some pretty um, impressive projects, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to all of that. But as you say, the metaverse, uh, as a, a, not as a concept, I guess, but as a, as a theme, uh, has been around for the past probably couple of years, right? With the, with the advent of Web3 and sort of, you know, really starting to break into the... Um, into public consciousness, at least, with um, uh, the big rebranding by Facebook into Meta. How long have you been doing what you're doing? Um, and, and how does it feel to suddenly have a lot more advocates and a lot more people kind of going, oh, okay, you know, talking about the Metaverse? I mean, I, yeah, I think sometimes I feel like, yeah, as I mentioned, the Metaverse has been extremely positive, but it's also been to the detriment because I feel like it has sort of complicated a lot of 
you know, the, the sort of um, the vision has uh, this big vision and Web3 and crypto and NFTs and, and all of these things and blockchain technology has, has complicated something that to me was always quite simple. Yeah. Which is that gaming is, has, is already the biggest entertainment industry on the planet. People are spending more and more time inside of, the, of virtual worlds and they're using virtual worlds for different things. It's not just for, uh, you know, solo entertainment like it was when I was playing Nintendo as a kid, right? Uh, maybe I had a friend or two sitting next to me, but in the, the playing was sort of done as a one person or maybe two people. But yeah, these virtual worlds are now, you know, the social media of, of today's youth. This is where people hang out. Yeah. This is where they express themselves through, through virtual clothing or items. Uh, they express their fandom. It's uh, also, you know, for more and more people, a place where they make their, make their money. And yeah, so that is sort of where, where what Carta comes from, is the vision that these virtual worlds is where more and more of our lives will happen and uh, and if if people are there then the brands then the rights holders then the the music artists are also going to have to be there hey. and we're here to make that happen and so eric would you describe yourselves as a creative agency that can implement in uh, interactive gaming and experiences are you a technology solution paint paint that picture for us basically i wouldn't call us a creative agency I would say that we're a studio and uh, that's what we do. We build things, we create experiences. We, we don't just ideate around them and come up with visions and, and cool decks. First and foremost, I would say that we're a culture company. We're definitely not a tech company. Mm. Well, our whole business idea is to use the platforms that exist and already have massive audiences and help our clients and partners to engage with these audiences. Mm -hmm. So it's about connecting brands and sports rights holders and music artists with cultures and people that are already there. And often they're already interested in, in you know, they're already fans of the club that's coming onto the platform. Mm. And so in, in that context, your sort of tagline is making brands playable. And you've talked about gamers and existing in virtual environments, you know, whether those are termed the metaverse or not, you know, that's a much bigger debate that people like my friend James Watley will kind of get into and try to figure out. But um, what does that mean on a very practical basis, you know, making brands playable? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically about taking a brand's identity and what they stand for and what they believe in and what they create and what world they play in. Basically taking, you know, the, a brand as a whole and reinterpret that onto one of these platforms like Roblox uh, or Fortnite. So then you take what the brand is all about and combine that with the cultures and the behaviors of the people on those, that platform. Right. And that's yeah. making brands playable. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the the sort of perception or the argument that's come around with, with the metaverse is, uh, um, you know, people start to get into, you know, a ready player one, you know, they envisage something like that. And, you know, it may well get to that point, but the, 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 the reality and the way that I perceive it is that what you guys are doing is allowing brands whether that brand is a rights holder or a brand or a, or a company or or an artist or whatever it is 
to create interactive experiences in the digital environment, right? And to be able to engage with fans in a completely different way than just the live or the uh, over-the-top service, but really create something that is um, akin to a gamified experience where they can they can participate, right? And so, Absolutely. in in that context, and specifically as it relates to the to the, to the fusion of sport and technology and kind of uh, development, where do you see opportunities for rights holders, whether they are teams, whether they are leagues, whether they are athletes? Where do you see opportunities for 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 uh, for rights holders to do better with that gaming population, which is getting bigger and bigger, and which is, as we know, driving one of the biggest industries on the planet. I think, yeah, the opportunities on the platforms are, are already there. The audience is already there. And the opportunities are huge for rights holders. Because the first thing that you have that these platforms offer is, is obviously uh, fan acquisition. So it's about uh, meeting the, your, your fans of tomorrow. You know, I've read research that says that uh, you choose your football team, you know, between the age of seven and 13 or something like this. Uh, this is where you this is your window to to uh, capture and create a lifelong fan. Mm. So fan acquisition is a big one. Then fan engagement. You already have a lot of your sort of budding fans are already on there. Right. So so they're waiting for you to engage with them on their favorite platform because they're not on Facebook anymore. They're not on Instagram and they're using TikTok less and less a lot of these young people, which, uh, you know, and they're spending more and more time inside of these virtual worlds. So fan engagement is the next one. And these are obviously the sort of more soft values, more long term thinking. And that's all well and good. Right. But yeah, we all know that there's a sort of bottom line that we need to think about as well. And, and I'm happy to say that the, the opportunities are there as well. We are the, the merchandising partner for for one club and uh, and uh, also for uh, for a big music artist and uh, yeah the, the opportunity to sell virtual merchandise is is also huge it has a lot of advantages yeah it might not be able to sell it for as much as a, as a jersey but uh, yeah the, the, there's no production cost after you've designed it right you can also have a lot of fun with a virtual merchandise you can take uh, you know the hairstyles of a popular player or the gold celebration of a popular player or your your mascot or it is like you can have a create incredible products that would not be possible to to create in the real world and uh, and sell them on on these platforms especially roblox is where this is is uh, the biggest opportunity yeah. are. this also for rights holders the great thing about what we do is that we don't create a campaign or or just an activation for our rights holders partners they when what we create for them is effectively a new asset uh, that they own, uh, so it's not just a, and it's a long-term thing, right? It's a it's a marketing channel that's long-term. It's an asset that's long-term and can be monetized through partners, very much in the same way a stadium could, you know. Give us an example to kind of help visualize uh, uh, something that you guys have done and that's helped drive one of those verticals, right? One of those, whether it's fan acquisition, fan engagement, direct revenue streams. I'd love to love to hear from you kind of something that you think is a great, um, great example. So our latest project is not in the world of sports. It's in the world of music where we have uh, uh, Twice, which is a massively popular K-pop band. And, you know, they obviously already had a lot of following on the platform and uh, we created their experience. It has now had 
22 million visits. I, I don't know the latest number, but my guesstimate is like 12 million unique visits. This is over, I think, nine weeks. Wow. Yeah, it's it's that's that's the incredible. Yeah, there's big numbers of visits. A lot of people have engaged, and uh, yeah, there. I mean, I can't obviously talk about finances, but yeah. it's a very happy client. Right. Uh, and I mean, that's what we want when we work with a sports rights holder. It's not about doing a cool innovation piece. That's not what we're about and what we're trying to. We're here to deliver results for our partners and clients. So that has been for us obviously huge to be like, it's not just a cool innovation piece that you could post on LinkedIn. This is, you know, doing well. And uh, we're extremely proud about that. Um, we're anxious and very excited to get on with, yeah, get more of those projects in and more happy clients. And is that twice project that's on Roblox? This project is on Roblox, yes. Um, and how long does it take to build out that experience and be able to to deliver it um, uh, in order for then twice to have a, uh, a an evergreen asset which people can always go visit um, uh, and can always interact with, which is more difficult on sort of a 2D static website or social social media or something like that? So it took six weeks to build that experience. But I, w I would have preferred if we had eight. But I think as we get, as we get, you know, uh, we do it more times, and you know, we we get faster, better at it, and uh, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, but yeah, it it was a it was quick, um, and uh, but yeah, it, it landed really well. And and for us, you know, for us, fan experiences is something we find very exciting because yeah. you know, fandom is such a you know, it's such a powerful thing. There's so much emotion. I, and I, I'm a marketer, so I kind of like working with, you know, a sort of, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind taking on a detergent, you know, just for the, the challenge in working with something that's not as exciting as, wow. a, as a football or sports or as music, you know. But but uh, at the same time, you know, it's, it's super exciting to work these projects where you have a fandom that's like anxious to uh, to get into the experience. Yeah. But one of our theories that we're sort of working towards is that we believe that fandom, and I hope I don't sort of offend a bunch of sports uh, fans out there, but I think fandom is... Ooh, this is exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that fandom is, is, is a universal thing, you know. It's, uh, it's, um, the, it comes from the same place in a human. If you're a fan of a football club or if you're a fan of a, of a music artist yeah. or maybe a popular movie franchise IP... It's sort of, you're looking for the same thing, you know, you're looking for a sense of community and finding like-minded people to, to, to meet up with them and uh, you're looking and connect with them and you're looking for ways to express your, your fandom, you know, mm. and, and wear it on your sleeve, physical or virtual, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. and we believe that there is a format for, for fan experiences on these platforms. You know, they will be visually different, but they will have somewhat similar, just like how a, a website or a, or, a, or a restaurant visit has a format, if you know what I mean, or a, Dang. a stadium. It's like a flow of how, what to expect. And we believe that there is something like that to be found inside of Roblox. It will be part of, you know, it will be just a, be a natural part of being a young fan is that your favorite club on your favorite virtual platform because it's a natural part of fan culture. So I'm really fascinated by that, right? Because, you know, you guys work with a, a whole host of, of uh, different clients and, you know, 
you can see how that applies to twice right massive following huge k-pop band very very emotionally attached to it you know some might say overly emotionally attached to it um you could see how that applies to a team but then you you mentioned it earlier you know you work for unilever you work for brands you know you uh, you come from a marketing background mm. and you know how you generate that 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 kind of emotional connection with the brand you know one of the examples that people always cite is what wendy's did with uh with Fortnite, which i thought was just absolute genius where they created a character and they went in and attacked all the freezers because they never have frozen meat and you know stuff like that you want more um, there. i i don't think that campaign was so good oh excellent all right so let's talk about that so so um this is this is my question right how when people come to you because this is still relatively early days yeah. right and 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 that format that you described hasn't quite been uh formulated so so gamers know what they expect fans who aren't gamers don't know what they expect when they're going in and somewhere in the middle is probably the truth and it will net out right but when somebody comes to you and says i want to design something whether it's roblox or fortnite or some some you know interactive gaming environment how many of them have a very clear idea of what their objectives are what they want to do and how many of them are just like i just want to shoot and kind of see what happens I think usually, you know, for us, every conversation starts with who are you trying to reach, you know, that's where it always begins, because that will define that will define everything. You know, if you're looking to reach uh, girls between 12 and 16 or something, then maybe you shouldn't be on Fortnite, you know, uh, might be idea. So, so or, you know, so, so these that's where it's always, always begins that's always the first question yeah. when you get the platform that shapes everything else because on these platforms you then have all the different users so like these platforms are diverse uh, you know <laughs> yeah. think about them just like a youtube or a or a tiktok you know the amount the diversity of content that exists on these platforms roblox is definitely at that level fortnite is going towards that a bit more homogenous the culture on Fortnite, but it's definitely going to become more diverse as time goes. So then it's about figuring out, you know, what the, the, uh, yeah, the audience you're trying to reach, then trying to see where, where you know, find somewhere where the brand and the culture can connect in a, in a way that feels authentic. And that's always the key word, mm. right? Authentic. And... Mm there's there's stories where yeah there's uh, if i'm gonna name some examples of where that has been you know been successful or not successful a great uh, story is uh, of success is when alo yoga which is a sort of yoga mat yoga clothing brand from america showed up on roblox with a beautiful roblox experience that had breathing exercises yoga classes and really treated the, the user base as adults, right? They, it, did, it wasn't like pandering. It didn't look childish. It looked Roblox native, but it was very much like, hey, we're talking to you as a, as a thinking, you know, human being, as a young adult, not as a little kid, right? And yeah. that experience continued to this day to have, I, I, I don't know the exact, but I would presume it's around 100,000 visits a day, a year and a half later, right? Which is... So I think this is always a good advice. Like, don't underestimate the audience. Don't try to just like pander to them what you think they want because you think they're children. You know, they're, they're way. Mm. So and that that was an incredible 
experience. I think one of my the, my sort of the ones I respect the most of the ones we haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite. You know. So why don't you respect? Why don't you respect the Wendy's one? I'm really curious because it was it was one of those that was held up as an example. Wendy's is like uh, yeah, it's a it's a sh super short activation that at people in marketing such as you and I. Uh, or uh, uh, thought was really cool because it was sort of hacking the the platform, mm. right? We can, as a marketer, we can respect the the use of a platform without having to sort of pay epic millions of dollars. Okay. That, mm. and, and, but do I think that the gamers cared about it? No, I think it got a. I think it's a. Mm. It's a. It, that was marketing for marketers, you know. That uh, which got it. You're not actually converting the audience that's native to that environment. You're sort of doing it for external purposes. Yeah, and it's also it, it came and went. You know, Wendy's are not part of Fortnite culture. They don't. They are not like you know loved by the Fortnite community afterwards. You know, yeah. that's is what what these platforms has been about. It's been about quick PR grabs. It's been about the LinkedIn likes and uh, you know uh, high fives more than. You know, actually, are you providing value for the audience? Are you uh, p moving people down the funnel? Are you, uh, you know, they come, are you getting uh, new fans, new advocates for your brand, right? Which Man. is, I mean, and, and PR is fine. My, my sister is, uh, as a background in PR, I'm not, I don't want to talk, uh, but it's not what we're about, you know? What yeah. we're about is results. That's what we want to deliver. And you don't do that through just a quick PR win. Mm. Uh, so that's yeah does that make sense it does it does uh, uh, unpack that a little bit and sort of let's talk about carter's journey and how you guys um position what it is that you do and how you go about finding clients who who is your target client yeah it is difficult because you know the sort of journey and finding yourself it's been a journey I think, you know, I, I, yeah, so my background, I'm going to get into some other stuff, but my background is more in marketing. You know, I, I worked in esports, but I was sort of always thinking about how to work with our partners in the world of esports. Uh, but my co-founder is, is from the music industry, uh, Tony Barnes, and he's more focused on the sort of fan experiences. And, and for us at Carta, we see those as like, as two different sort of pillars, right? We have uh, brands, which are your Unilevers and your FMCG and your uh, insurance companies or banks or whatever it is, right? And then you have fan-driven brands. These are your sports uh, rights holders, uh, music artists, etc. And how we work with them obviously needs to be different because uh, to be fair, fan-driven brands are used to get getting paid yep. to help other brands reach young audiences. So for us, I feel like there is a way that they connect in the future. You know, we want to fan driven brands might be smaller uh, checks up front, but uh, could last much longer. And they also become a potential way for brands to to play as well and, and do partnerships with. So we're excited about both, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe there's a world where we, you know, specialize. Who knows? But not yet. Right now, we're we're definitely sort of catering to both both pillars sort of equally. And and how did you guys decide to found the company? Yeah, so my my journey. I mean, uh, if I take my sort of law, the law, the, the the whole story, but I try to keep it short. Is that like my my? I, I was always the kid that was throwing parties. You know, as a I like to make people have fun. That was that's where I started. I, 
started with overambitious house parties as a teenager back home in Sweden. That became warehouse raves that become like running gigs and nightclubs. As those parties became more popular, uh, brands wanted to, you know, beer brands wanted to sponsor my events. And, and then I was in event marketing and experiential marketing. And um, note, note to self, definitely go out for beers with Eric. All right, cool. <laughs> yes, let's do it. No, and, and I'm, I'm old and boring now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so then I came into the world of esports and gaming. I'd always been a gamer all my life, but in like 20... 12, 2013, I started doing the after parties at a big gaming event for the streaming platform Twitch. So this is like in the early days of like esports sort of taking off. Yeah. yeah, taking off. And I came in touch with esports and I sort of, I felt like, you know, this is a world I wanted to be a part of. So and I, I met the founder of Fnatic, not Fanatics, that's a different company. Fnatic uh -huh. is one of the biggest esports teams in the world based here in london yes uh, yeah i was like yeah you should come work for me in london and i had sort of like done everything i set out to do in my 20s so i you know got rid of everything i owned moved to london and worked as head of events at fanatic doing expo booths pop-up shops parties all over the world it was a lot of fun you know you know on behalf of fanatic and our partners like bmw jack links amd doing all kinds of fun experiential stuff targeting gamers and a gaming audience. And I was doing that all, all the way up to the pandemic, right? Couldn't do any parties and expo booths during that time, as we all know. Yep. And started looking into what I could do inside of virtual worlds. Realized that what Roblox and Fortnite was doing was sort of mimicking uh, what, you know, they were democratizing the world of video games and, and virtual experiences in much the same way that YouTube did with video and and Instagram did with photos and Twitch with live streaming. Mm. And, and when I learned that we could put a brand's logo and products inside of some of the most popular video games on, in the world without paying licensing fees, and there were even monetization opportunities. I knew I had to quit my job, you know, because it was like <laughs> everything I had done up until that point, you know, that I'm making people have fun, uh, communicating brands and their products through experiences, marketing to gamers, uh, you know, it all sort of came together. And, and, and uh, that vision of the future where every brand, every rights holder, every music artist, every movie IP, has uh, a, you know a place on these platforms just like they all have youtube channels and tiktok channels that vision of the future was the the same uh, at you know that's that has always stuck with us and it's always what we're working towards that vision of the future but um but how how we went about and did things and trying to because it wasn't obvious what you know our role was initially and we started off you called us a creative agency that's what we were in the beginning we didn't have our own we didn't have our own developers yeah. our own virtual merchandise designers we didn't have none of those things it was just me and and my co-founder and a, a sort of stupid drive and and belief that this will somehow work out but uh, you know and and lo and behold, it was, it was, it lo was, and behold, it seems to be going okay. It seems to be, yeah, it is going okay. We're we're twenty people now. We've been, you know, bootstrapping up until this point, which 
you know, it, that was a big moment actually when I, we had like, you know, a bit of a break. It, like you, there were like some sort of weekly team meetings that didn't happen. And then, you know, like mm -hmm. three weeks later we have one and there's like 20 people on the call. And I, I was like, what have I done? You know, <laughs> what, what, what the hell? Am this I is a lot of mouths to feed. All of these people? <laughs> I, 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 no, it's, it's all good. It's, uh, I mean, it's incredible. But, but yeah, it was a, that was a bit of a strong moment for me, actually. So, so tell us where you are in that journey and, 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 and the funding, you know, we've spoken to a few VCs on the, on the podcast over the past, uh, uh, over the past few, few months. And it's, a, it's an interesting time in the world of raising money for sure. And an interesting time in the world of raising money in web 3.0, even more so. So like, how's it going? I, I mean, it was, it was rough and I felt like, uh, it was it was quite tough for us because obviously I feel like a lot of traditional VCs are looking for that sort of uh, you know a, a t tech product or a SaaS play that's like very sort of and we were a bit unorthodox and we we're a bit more yeah. like does it scale and we hadn't proven like you know the sort of virtual merchandising that that could bring r serious revenues we hadn't sort of proven that yet so so it was tough I would say because. Uh, as a studio, VCs are like, they, you know, they maybe can't see the sort of 1000x exit as, as easy as, uh, as they can with yeah. a, But I mean, uh, we managed to find some great people that uh, believe in us and, and uh, can't announce who they are yet. It should be sort of being finalized, hopefully, today or tomorrow. As this podcast comes out, uh, hopefully it's, uh, it's definitely uh, done. But, but yeah, it's, it's, it was... Uh, yeah, we found some really sort of big people in the music industry, uh, some very well-known names that everyone who's listening has heard about, which is cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, some some sort of strategic partners from industries that's like, so So we only have one VC with us, but uh, they're a good one and we like them. So that's great. Uh, but yeah, it, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as straightforward as one would have hoped, but I think there's a lot of, you know, kissing a lot of frogs in, in fundraising, right? It's like, it's not. Uh... Absolutely. Absolutely. So was it, a, was it a situation of speaking to people and kind of trying to get them over the hump of the metaverse? Or was it that people were kind of intrigued and tried? And I, I hate coming back to the word metaverse every time. So by metaverse, let's just, you know, assume um, uh, uh, gaming and interactive yeah, experiences, well, right? Yeah. But how 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 did those conversations go i'm curious were some people just like i don't get it i'm not interested or were there some people who were like look i don't get it but i'd like to be convinced what was the general approach how did you sense the market no i i feel like the the space people were, were always really interested in i think we're a bit early maybe because we were sort of like wrapping up it's been paperwork and stuff like this has taken forever but like uh <laughs> I think there's been some bigger investments into the sort of UGC platforms because um, so that's like the Fortnites and Roblox are becoming a bit more interesting. But to Metaverse, people were positive and they, you know, the numbers are speak. I mean, Roblox has uh, 67 million daily active users. Fortnite has, I think, 25 million daily active users or something like this. It's the numbers are not like, you know, that we're doing something on these platforms that it's relevant. I feel like no one is sort of disputing that. And and we, we're not particularly like my co-founder is more of a web free sort of uh, 
for me, um, I don't care if people pay in Ethereum, Bitcoin, or you know, pound sterling. It's like, or is there people there? Is there culture there? Because if there are, then yeah. brands and everybody else is going to have to be there as well. And um, so, uh, but also we also didn't ride the web free hype, uh, you know, which we probably could have done if we sort of uh, went a bit earlier and stuff like this. But yeah, it, it was it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't super easy, but we got there, you know, and that's what's most important. Well, huge congratulations, and much more to come, I'm sure. When you when you project ahead for 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 Carta and for the sports industry in particular, um, where do you see the future for um, interactive gaming, interactive experiences, metaverse? Where do you see it going? Um, and on that roadmap, do you see anybody who's doing it particularly well that you would hold up as a as a gold standard for the moment? In the sports industry, I think uh, what I see, yeah, definitely to get the clubs on and maybe even some of the big athletes. I feel like it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more exciting to the fans than, uh, you know, I... I've, I, I, yeah, I shouldn't be negative at all. I'm not negative. I'm saying that, like, I think there's a, you know, there's been a lot of, like, you know, tournament organizers and, and sort of uh, more the rights holders in uh, in that space that have come onto these platforms. But I think the real passion with the audience on the platform lies with the fandom, not of the sports and the leagues, but with the the teams. And I think we need to see teams on onto the platforms building their experiences, merchandising and, and giving their already existing, you know, millions of fans that they probably have on the platform already, giving them a chance to, to, you know, connect with them. So I, I, I that's something I, I, you know, I think we'll definitely see. And then I, I think there's some, there's been some interesting, I think there's been some really good brand activations with like, I think Australian Open did some really cool things, uh, with their own yeah. experience where they, you know, sort of have Emirates really cleverly integrated uh, into their experience. And uh, I think that's, I think that there's a lot of exciting stuff to be done in, in that space in terms of like, I mean, I think this is key thing for the audience to understand. I'm talking to you audience. Uh, but yes, that big hype was like last year you know, or whatever, yeah. like metaverse this, metaverse that. But the audience, the hype might be over and it's all AI on your LinkedIn uh, page right now. But the audience on these platforms and the opportunity on these platforms, you know, much bigger now. And the platforms are constantly getting better and more friendly and easier to use and more effective to use for you every day that passes. So, so yeah. The hype might be over, but the re, you know the opportunity is real. Opportunity is bigger now than it was when the hype was crazy. What's your dream brief? It could be from someone specific. It could be sort of what the content of the brief is to do something. But like, what's your dream? Every club in a single league, like create an ecosystem of of uh, to do like the fan experiences for every club in you know NHL, NFL, Premier League. The, the the Premier League in cricket in India. I don't like, but but like uh, you know, basically because I think that is really exciting. I think to sort of let all the clubs have their own 
thing, but then also connect them with one central mechanics so there's like reason for people to visit each other maybe some sort of friendly fat hanging mm. out not violent obviously but in a like a, in a... i was about to say yeah. so what you're trying to do is create fine violence on roblox is much uh much better than in the real world i should say much yeah, better much much better but no one but Excellent. but you see i think that's definitely yeah like you know nfl all of the clubs, not to create the central NFL experience, every single club to be a part of it, mm -hmm. and then getting a chance to sort of, you know, root for their own thing. That fun competitiveness, that fun, yeah, yeah, that fun entertainment. I get you. Um, fan violence on Roblox is much safer. <laughs> I think we definitely need to use that as the tagline for this podcast. <laughs> no, it's clickbait, you know, I guess. What? Uh, so, um, Final question, give us your favorite sports moment from the past uh, the past week. What uh, what really floated your boat? Ooh, favorite sports moment? For the listeners, Eric Eric just pulled a wide-eyed, why the hell are you doing this to me without having warned me face? So <laughs> we'll give you we'll give you a second to think about it. Yeah, I'm, I mean I'm 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 liking how the Premier League is going, that's all I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. As, as as an as an Arsenal fan, I'll keep I'll keep quiet and move. It's over, man. <laughs> it's not happening. No, I'm joking. It's over. I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I, I, it's, it's not. It's not. We're top. We're top of the league, and uh, and I was at at the Chelsea match yesterday. We were singing, "We are top of the league," and I was just like, <sighs> "It's." I'm not sure that we really should be singing that song at this stage. But anyway, we'll start. We'll start. Uh, we'll start to close. But again, to the listeners, thank you for joining us. If you like what you heard, please make sure to give us a like and a subscription anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, a rating doesn't hurt either, so please feel free to do that. Uh, go to our website, sportsoft.co, subscribe to our newsletter, and follow us on social at sportsofthq. All that remains to say a huge thank you to the founder and CEO of newest Sportsloft member, Carta, um, uh, Eric Laundre. Thank you for joining us at the Sportsloft podcast. It's been a joy. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. And to all our listeners, thank you very much, and see you next time in the Sportsloft. Goodbye. Goodbye.